flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. So I'm so excited to have this next speaker with us today. Um, I saw a, a young person come into my practice the other day and they had just found uh, this guy in, um, well, it had been recommended to see this guy and I was like, wow, I found someone in Newcastle. <laughs> so I'm so pleased. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, this is Dino, uh, Dino Rock. Uh, yeah. So I'm really pleased to, to have you here. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, my um, health journey has been an interesting one. I started out uh, as a health phys ed teacher um, many years ago after doing a degree at Newcastle Uni and I found I was getting more and more interested in the health side of things and less and less interested in the sport side of things. Um, but what happened to me is I uh, developed a very severe and chronic case of hay fever and I was suffering it all year round, not just in spring but all year round taking all of the drugs that the, the doctor was giving me and getting sicker and sicker um, and it just seemed like there was no end to it. So in utter desperation, I went looking for answers. And when I started doing that, it changed the course of my life, essentially cured myself of the condition, wow. and I've been medication-free and symptom-free for many years now, and it changed uh, my career. Excellent. What I do. Yeah, yeah so, what, so what do you actually do? Uh, I um, specialise in breathing and orofacial function. So I help people with uh, any sort of breathing-related problem, any sort of chronic respiratory problem, uh, or any problem that they might have uh, related to that. So uh, it's a very specialised area. There's not many people who do what I do. No, no, it's so exciting. You're here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I've been doing it for over a decade now in yep. Newcastle and on the Central Coast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So when you say that you're specialising in breathing, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things we do many times a day, and yeah. you know we could sort of lift our eyebrows and say, you know, I've done it for many years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, tell us a bit about what you what you're looking for. Yeah. So um, that's often the way people think about breathing, and the reality is there's a lot of misconception about breathing and a lot of misinformation as well um, and a lot of people do think it's just something you do and you just stop doing it one day <laughs> hopefully not too soon that's right um, but the reality is there is a right and wrong way to breathe um, and when I discovered that a whole new world opened to me uh, and the reality is that uh, it can range dysfunction can range from mild through to severe uh, can happen at any age uh, and if you are on the dysfunction spectrum uh, you know, it can lead to a whole heap of health problems. What problems people suffer, genetics plays a role in that or maybe the severity of it, but the, very often the trigger uh, or the, the path they go down is, a, is because of their breathing function. And the reality is you're breathing 24-7. So if it's not right, it's affecting you 24-7. Yeah. It's the foundation of your health. Um, most people, if you ask them what the two most important things for their health are, they would say diet and exercise. exercise yes. And as important as those two things are, I'm not in any way uh, saying they're not important, but the reality is breathing is well in front of those yes. two things. Yes. The only thing that comes close to breathing in terms of um, critical function, um, uh, in terms of what you need to do to promote it, would be hydration. Yeah. And hydration is a distant second of breathing still. Yeah. Um, but most of us just take breathing for granted. 
and we're unaware of how much it may be affecting our health. But lots of people who come to me, they're very aware of how much it affects their health. So, so what, um, what type of people would consult you? Like, yeah, what, what would... it's, uh, I've worked successfully from four to 88 years, uh, people from all walks of life. But the ones that come to me, uh, I get referrals from the medical system. I've got a small group of doctors um, who refer to me. Uh, so I might get an, an asthmatic, uh, people with hay fever, people with snoring, sleep apnea, so the sleep disorders, um, anxiety, panic attacks, chronic pain. Uh, I work for a, a pain specialist because he's discovered that it works really well to help people there. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a long wild. list. Yeah, it's a long list and it, it doesn't is. seem like there's much um, connection between those. No. So what, what, what do you find is, apart from the fact yeah. that everyone's breathing? But yeah. yeah, well what I find is that regardless of the medical tags they're wearing, and um, uh, it can even be orthodontics as well, they can have orthodontic problems as a result of breathing dysfunction. Um, Regardless of what medical tags they're wearing, whether it's a child or an adult or a teenager or whatever, I find the same functional problems over and over again. Uh, the breathing dysfunction that I come across is pretty much the same thing every time. Uh, and that's what I seek to fix every time. Okay. And essentially what that is, is that uh, so many people, um, through no fault of their own, it's just the way it is, um, uh, develop a breathing dysfunction normally where they're using mouth breathing too much. So they might be breathing uh, overnight mouth breathing or they might do a lot during the day or both. Um, and then that develops uh, an upper thoracic pattern. So they upper end thoracic, up meaning upper, upper chest. chest. Upper chest. Um, and so their breathing then is, is shortened up between mouth and upper chest. The diaphragm's not working very much. Um, and the nose is not being utilised enough. Once you develop that pattern, once that becomes a habit, then it's pretty much just spin the genetic wheel and see what trouble you get, regardless of what your age you are. And, and what is the link then between the different types of uh, conditions that people may have and their, uh, let's call it the abnormal pattern. breathing? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what does? What's the process? Um, it, it varies from condition to condition. So in some cases, breathing dysfunction might be the causative or the root cause problem yes. resulting in their symptoms or their condition, or it may just be an amplifying factor. Yeah. But what I've found is it doesn't really matter which it is. The bottom line is they need to breathe functionally, and I've found that it's been very beneficial regardless of whether it's the root cause or whether it's just an amplifier, yeah. um, it can make that much of a difference. And, and what does it affect? What system uh, does yeah. it interfere with? So if your breathing is dysfunctional, anything from mild to severe, what you're starting to do is switch on the adrenals harder. So you're getting the fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system kicking into gear um, on a 24-7 basis, even whilst you're trying to sleep. If that's starting to happen, then you're switching on the inflammatory response in your body on that basis as well, 24-7. And then once that's happening, then, you know, it really just becomes an issue of what it is well, you're going to yeah. suffer and how badly. So the fact that the body's in that state of inflammation is just the weakest link. That Indeed. Indeed. That, that is fascinating, absolutely mm. fascinating. Mm. I went to a conference a couple of years ago and, and um, there was a, a very uh, interesting 
uh, dentist that was talking about he yeah. basically talking about uh, re-educating a baby to breathe after yeah. having tongue tie cut. Yeah, yeah. And he suggested using these taping yeah, things. techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do Do you do that? I, I have to admit, I found it a little bit hard to work with yeah. babies and taping them out. Yeah. With taping, um, I I, ha- I use it as a part of my uh, gambit of strategies. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly not a one-size-fits-all thing. So each person, I'll design the program to fit their needs, which may or may not involve taping, and how you go about taping can vary a lot. Mm. Uh, some people only need it very temporarily. Other people need it longer term. But there, uh, with taping, what people need to understand is that it's... Um, it's not actually taping someone's mouth shut. It's actually just a message sender. Uh, you've got to use a particular type of tape. Um, it's a part of an overall 24-7 therapy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not the big deal that some people sometimes think it is. And, and as I said, not everyone that comes to me even uses it. Right. Um, I have had a few people, though, that, that have used it and fallen in love with it, and they never stop. Okay. My wife's been taping for years. Okay. Um, my son has been taping for years, and I've had people come in, buy a box of, uh, of tape and walk out, I assume, <laughs> their lifetime users too. And that's okay. <laughs> if, if they want to, that's fine. But uh, normally it's a very temporary thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do you know the, that the work you're doing is, is making a difference? So when people yep. come in and, yep. and talk to you? So when people come to me for an initial consult, uh, I go through an assessment process that I've developed based on clinical observation, filling out a fairly extensive uh, symptomology form, uh, and then I have biofeedback testing as well. So uh, they're uh, linked to my computer via a cannula, um, uh, that just sits just inside the nose um, and so they go through this step-by-step assessment process so I know uh, A, are they breathing disordered or is there dysfunction, how severe it is um, and then that will determine uh, what I come up with in terms of what they need for therapy. If they go ahead and get my help um, then they're retested on a few occasions to be able to get post-measurement so they can clearly see uh, how much their breathing has changed. Okay, yeah. so just help me here. So this biofeedback mechanism, so you yep. have some sort of sensor sitting in your nose so you can sense how much air goes through your nose compared um, to what you would expect? The or? system I use is known as capnometry, and what it measures uh, is a couple of critical things. Uh, the breathing speed, so yep. what their respiratory rate is, their end tidal CO2 or carbon dioxide levels, yep. it measures as well. And it shows me whether there's any disruptions in their breathing pattern. It's measuring them breath by breath. Um, it's a completely, um, uh, it's, an, it's not an invasive thing at all. It's in no way painful or anything. It's quite an easy test yeah. to, to sit through. Most people just sit there and chill out and sort of some have even nearly dropped off to sleep. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, so it's just measuring breathing, uh, their breathing pattern, normally for about six to seven minutes. I get them to do a couple of different things as well, just to see what happens to their breathing under different conditions. Um, So it's a snapshot of their breathing pattern. And, uh, yeah, it allows pre and post measurement, which is handy. But 
I know whether they've got a breathing problem pretty much as soon as they walk through the door. After 10 years of doing it, yeah. and it's quite, kind of funny socially because um, I just assess people's breathing automatically and my wife is often nudging me yeah. through <laughs> or something <laughs> like, that's right, don't you say anything to sort of So It's very hard to switch off once you dial into breathing because everyone does it yeah. and they take it with them everywhere they go. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> goodness. Anyway. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that our breathing rate, which we've yeah, just talked about, rate, yeah, yeah. Has, has changed a lot over the last oh, 20 years yeah, or so. Yeah, it's a very good point you raise. Um, the reality is at the moment, I, uh, as far as I'm aware, the medical system, you know, if they come across a respiratory rate in the mid-teens, then they would think that's completely normal. Yes. And it, it certainly is average. There's a lot of people breathing at that speed. Yeah. And so for many doctors, I suspect they would think that that's okay. But in my uh, years of clinical practice and through the research that I've been involved with and seen, um, there is more and more evidence to show that that is too fast and that people, uh, even children, should be breathing slower. Yeah. Uh, but certainly for an adult, between four and ten breaths a minute at rest yeah. uh, is the optimal zone. There are not many people in that zone. Say, no, not many people. No. What I've found is that once I get a person from that sort of higher speed down into the 4 to 10 zone as a habit so they, they just it becomes automatic yeah. um, that's that's when the symptoms change yeah. that's when they go from having symptoms to not having symptoms or having a lot less yeah. so they go yeah. from that living in that fight and fight response Absolutely. coming down, down to the, the parasympathetic, parasympathetic. Yeah. Exactly. which is the best digest here that's right yeah. exactly and then just from memory and I could be wrong but mm. I seem to remember they were saying that 20 years ago uh, 12 breaths per minute was normal and now mm. it's like 20 mm. yeah uh, well the speed has gone up oh, I think I, I think there is some uh, evidence out there that there has been a uh, an increase over time and I think modern life um, is contributing to that. So many people are running on adrenaline yeah. um, and so I think there probably uh, would be some sort of overall increase, average increase and certainly once you're hitting 20 breaths a minute or more, you're in trouble yeah. and the fastest I've measured on my biofeedback system was 36 oh my at rest. Yeah. That person was very, very sick. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like someone that's been running to your office. That's right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, um, you know, when, when your speed is getting up into those, as I said, above 20 in particular, um, you're going to be in trouble, but plenty of people in trouble with speeds well below that. Yeah. So is the breathing and the chicken and the egg? Like how, how would you address it? Yeah, yeah good question. Um, uh, I, I think in the end it doesn't really matter whether it's the chicken or the egg. The reality is it's, you've, you've got to address it. Yeah. So if someone comes to me, say, with anxiety, and they'll be saying to me, you know, is it my head doing it or is it my body doing it to my head? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, in the end it doesn't really matter. Uh, what you want to do is address uh, one side of the equation or the other and I've found that the simplest thing to do is change the way you breathe and by changing that um, it will have an impact regardless of whether it's the chicken or the egg. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit I'm feeling incredibly self-conscious here I'm thinking crap I'm sure I'm breathing <laughs> <laughs> for a minute right now. Uh, so how, how do you deal with a, a child? Let's say yeah. a child that yeah. uh, is maybe 
hyperactive is yeah. you know and not necessarily with the diagnosis but yeah. you know they're hard to manage how, yeah. how would you address it in, yeah well see it's like going to depend a lot on exactly how old they are yeah um if they're sort of a, a middle childhood sort of primary school age i find that i can work with them not that dissimilar to older people yeah um i can keep it uh, fairly standard but as they're getting younger, then the strategies I have to use a big change. Yes. Um, the process may become slower. Uh, but the earlier people find out about it, the better. Yeah. And uh, if it's a really young child, someone that um, is not ready for um, to be able to work with me, what I often do is I fix the parents. Yes. Uh, and by getting the parents breathing well, yeah. they start the education process with their child. Yes. And that has worked brilliantly. I've fixed mum and dad or mum or dad. Yeah. And then the child gets involved when the, the adult is going through the process and they their breathing starts to change as a result. Yeah. It just goes to show how close we are. But oh, I don't think we actually recognise that no. we are you know, in a family unit. Right. We just feed off each oh, other. Look, I find yeah. breathing dysfunction runs in families. Yeah. But, it's, it's, but it's just, as you mentioned earlier, the speed of respiratory rates are going up across the community breathing dysfunction is a uh, silent epidemic mm. and the reason uh, it's silent is it's because it's generally not on the medical radar so lots of people don't discover yeah. that they have a breathing functional problem it's such a self-conscious thing that's it yeah. and so they just have their symptoms treated mm. normally with medication um, um, and lots of people are being diagnosed with sleep disorder breathing now so they're being strapped to CPAP machines and things like that. And they never discover that they actually have a 24-7 breathing habit yeah. that's not right and needs to be fixed. Yeah. So sadly, most people are just having their problem managed at best by trying to reduce symptoms rather than fixing the problem. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? You obviously, well, from what you're saying, just yeah. not really like, like you get the medication, you would have another... Yeah, so um, I'm not giving anyone medication. I'm not um, giving them, uh, you know, uh, selling them a CPAP machine. What I'm doing is uh, going through a simple step-by-step process of breathing habit change um, that I've developed over many years now, and I tailor it to meet the needs of that particular person, depending on their age and whatever. Sometimes their pathology, their medical condition can change how I have to go about it mm. so I basically come up with a, a process normally where they see me uh, most people see me once a week for four weeks initially mm. and they walk out the door with their instruction sheet they've learned exactly what they need to do yeah. and they go through that process and I support them and encourage them along the way make change if I need to and most people's breathing um, has been altered significantly in that first month right. uh, and then it just becomes so much easier and um, yeah, simpler after that as well. So basically it's a question of diagnosing from your point of view yeah. where, where you're not breathing well, That's try right. to do this type of breathing and then go home and practice? Well, they actually don't have to think about breathing, funnily enough. Okay. They just have to follow my instructions oh, good. Yeah, and yeah. their breathing will change. So uh, and it's it is quite simply uh, just habit change. Yeah. So I, I just give them a set of instructions to help them change their breathing habit, and uh, they they learn step by step what they're going to be doing when they walk back out the door, and we just touch bases. Yeah. Uh, each week for a few weeks, and and um, I I'll know when the job's done because it's a very measurable yeah. process. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. 
Uh, and can you share a funny story from yeah. your, your practice? Um, yeah, I've had quite a few. I can, I can uh, probably uh, one of the most interesting things uh, when you do change someone's breathing pattern, um, there's a small percentage of people who can have some strange responses, physical responses. And there was one uh, fellow I had uh, who um, had been uh, mouth breathing for many, many years, quite very chronically. And when he uh, started to change his breathing pattern and started to, to nasal breathe, uh, his gums started to bleed. Oh. And they, they bled for about three days before they settled down. So that's one of the more unusual oh my reactions yeah. that, that he that I've seen in the <laughs> ten years I've been doing this. So he thought that was pretty pretty weird. Yes. Um, but there's one other quick story I'll give you is three women came and saw me about a year apart. The strange thing was they were all the same age. They were all all three were fifty two. Um, they had been, unbeknownst to me, uh, menopausal for about four years. Right. Um, they came to me for three different problems, asthma, snoring, and anxiety. We fixed all three, but in each case, uh, they started their cycle again. Uh-huh. And um, two of them were not impressed. The first time it happened, um, the, this, it happened within a week of starting therapy. The second time it was a week again. And then the third woman who had asthma, um, it took a month for, for her okay. cycle to start again. She was chilled out about it. She was okay, but the other two were not happy, let me tell you. So, yeah. And I'm interested to hear, what, what, I know you talked about inflammation, yeah. but what, what, um, what would be the process of being yeah, gums? Yeah, a good and, question. Like, oh, you know, the, the first time it happened, I thought, maybe it's a coincidence. Yeah. Then it happened again, then it happened again. And these women changed nothing else. No. All they changed was their breathing pattern. They didn't yeah. change their diet, they didn't do anything else. So... Um, my theory is that, yeah, they've gone from that, once again, from that sympathetic dominance into a parasympathetic state. And I think the body then goes, well, uh, we're now in a state of rest. Yeah. We can reintroduce yeah. functions that have been, systems that have been shut down. Yes. And so, yeah, it just, once they got into that position, That's then the system kicked back in. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> You know, it's it's just it never ceases to amaze me what breathing can affect. Yeah. And now I'm obviously obviously going off on a complete sidetrack here, <laughs> yeah. which would be interesting then to uh, with the growing number of young couples that have trouble falling pregnant. Yes, you good would wonder. Yeah, I do um, wonder, uh, and uh, I would I would say that there would be a percentage. I've got no idea what. But there would be a percentage of people out there who are struggling in that area, and maybe all they need to do is change the way they breathe. Isn't that amazing? Interesting. Uh, And do you have a a piece of advice or a couple of pieces of advice for people that are listening in today? Absolutely. The first thing I would say is uh, check it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, have a look. Um, Do I get around with my mouth open a lot, or do I comfortably lip seal? How much nasal breathing do, you know, am I really doing? Um, and that's a wake and a sleep. Yes. A lot of people are mouth breathing when they're asleep, and that's a particular worry. Um, so checking yourself a bit, um, 
stand, get someone to look uh, side onto you and see whether your chest is moving yeah. when you're breathing. Mm -hmm. It should be sitting still at rest. Yeah. There should be no chest movement. Where everyone that comes to me, they're breathing from the upper chest. So a bit of a check. And then if you see that things are not right, well, then you can have a think about whether or not you might get some help. But the first thing you should do is start to work towards lip seal. Right. So a lip seal habit um, is what develops a nasal breathing habit. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 that's, that's the, the number one thing that everyone should establish. That, to me, is more important than diet and exercise. Because breathing is 24-7. Breathing sure is 24-7. Yeah. Excellent. Um, thank you so much for sharing your time no with this morning. No tell, me, uh, tell us again, where, where can people find you if they want yep. to know more? And yeah, well, um, I work at a few different clinics, but the ones locally, I work um, at Attune Health Centres in Warners Bay, and we've got a website. They can just um, Google Attune or Breathing Therapy, and, you, and you'll find me there. Um, so uh, that's where I can be located. I also work in the city uh, at the Hunter Pain Clinic. So there's a few places where people can catch up with me. What I say to people is if you're not sure um, or you know you've got an issue, just come for an assessment. Yeah. If you come for that assessment and you can ask as many questions as you like, uh, you'll be able to make an informed decision then on whether or not you go ahead with therapy. Yeah. If you don't have the assessment, then you're not able to make an informed decision. That's right. Yeah. 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 And your name again? Dean O'Rourke. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of family chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown, serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.